everyone, and welcome to Wii Universe. This is the show where we are playing every single Wii U game in the entire physical category or catalog of that entire uh, uh, series. The category of Wii U games. The entire category of Wii U games, except not because there's like a whole bunch of downloadable stuff that we just never touched. Because yeah, uh, you know what? They, we can't. They, they, they don't really exist anymore. We can't really access them, and they're probably all bad. Sure. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what we're about, is making grand, sweeping statements <laughs> about large groups of things. Exactly, um, exactly. Generalization is the order of the day. Speaking of uh, categories, I was watching Jeopardy a few nights ago, and Good one call. of the categories was Batman villains, and Ooh. I was held back my urge to just text you letting you know that one of the categories in jeopardy was batman villains oh my god i, I wasn't going to share any of the questions or follow up any beyond that i'm just like hey just so you know there's a question about jarvis tetch Ooh, the on, mad hatter yes on uh, national television right now that makes me so happy so. very excited about that uh and i i need to watch more jeopardy uh because you know we i get it like intermittently through hulu but they don't get like it's usually just kind of the celebrity episodes or the special episodes. Sure. You know, it's not like I haven't seen any of the Jennings uh, run. I've only seen my Bialik. So, hmm. you know, but I like I like Ken Jennings either way. Yeah, he's a, he's a cool dude. He knows his Batman villains. He does. He does. Um, but we're not talking about Batman villains today. We're talking we are, about we already did that. We did that we did uh, it. six months ago. We did. Absolutely. We've covered a lot of Batman on this show. Uh, today we're talking about a game called I believe I'm pronouncing this correctly. Zombie. 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 It's a French game. It right? is a French game set in London, but it is, uh, I believe it's pronounced Zombie U. Zombie U. Ah. Uh, zombie, zombie you, Steve. Don't talk to me like no, that. No, hey, zombie you. What's up? What's the matter, you? Hey, hey, hey we're shambling here. Come on, <laughs> zombie you. We're groaning and a moaning over here. Yeah. Uh, so we are in the final five episodes of this podcast. This is Whoa. it. This is the last five. Uh, the, death, the death throes, if you will. They, I think I will, you know? Yeah. And uh, uh, we're we're basically shambling reanimated corpses ourselves at this point. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to get a little worried that we're not going to be able to resolve all of the dangling plot threads. You know, like uh, I, I know we set out with like trying to convince people that we had a very clear idea of how this thing was going to end. But uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't know. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how to answer some of these questions. Mm, it turns out we've been in limbo this whole time. Ooh, that is a, that is a convenient and satisfying way to end things up. Yeah. Or yeah. maybe you're going to maybe on our final episode, uh, we'll talk about, well, the thing that we've learned most of all about life and through the Wii U. And then in the middle of your sentence, it'll just go black. <laughs> <laughs> the real Wii U was the friends we made along the way. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, very excited. I'm, I'm getting, you know, we'll have a few of them this uh, episode, but I've been getting a lot of just really incredible, uh, warm and sweet messages from listeners. Um, just, just uh, uh, really means a lot. And so I'm, I'm going to get a little uh, emotional about that, I'm sure, when we get to the letters portion and to the final couple of episodes. But, well, that's uh, why we have the camera off. Oh, yeah, yeah, so no, no. We cannot see uh, men so crying. So the raw emotions do not come through, and we can keep this veneer of silliness that upon which oh, yeah. our show is built. A lot of people don't know this. If you look directly at a man crying, it's kind of like a Raiders of the Lost Ark situation, like your faces mm. will melt off or maybe explode, like... Also, I never really understood why different things happen to different Nazis when they open that box. Not to spoil that movie, <laughs> but like each one has its own. Like they all, like all the all the grunts, just get a quick like lightning bolt through the heart. 
Then one guy's face melts, another guy's head shrinks, and then another guy's head explodes. So, like, where's the consistency, uh, wow. uh, Ark demons or Ark angels? You know angels? what I really learned from this? I need to go watch Raiders of the Lost Ark right now. What Fuck a, yeah. What a, good, what a good movie. Man, <laughs> seeing that, that I, I saw that movie when I was, like, probably too young for it. And sure. the, the image of that man's face melting uh, stuck with me for a long time. Really sure. upset me. And now I come back and look at it like, fuck yeah, I want to fast forward to the face melting part. Yeah. But now, uh, now we that that face melting has set you up well to uh, do some serious face bashing. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's it's given me a a, a lifelong love of uh, uh, making faces face gory. Trauma. <laughs> yes. yeah. Be it ma- male tears or cricket bats <laughs> to the noggin. Um, either way, either way. Uh, to start things off with, uh, what else are you playing right now? Sure. Um, the uh, the game that I have been playing. Um, the analog pocket that I talked a little bit about uh, last week, I've sort of dove into that more, and it, I got it set up to play Game Gear games. Yes, um, the greatest console, the greatest of all consoles, and because it's sort of a, I'm like, there's got to be a good Game Gear game, like just does there though. Sh- Sheer numbers, <laughs> there must be. Um, and uh, the one I have found that um, has actually really delivered um, was a, is a Japanese-only game called Sylvan Tale. Oh, um, which is one of the which is like a top-down sort of action game. Similar, I mean, did you ever play the game Soul Blazer? Yes. Or, uh, yeah. Or, version of Gaia. Yeah, yeah, those are great. Yeah, those are great. Um, you know, kind of. Zelda-esque, but very focused on combat instead of puzzles. And this game's great. Like, the uh, the graphics actually look very clean for a Game Gear. It almost looks as good as, like, a Genesis game. You have to get a... You can download it with a, uh English English translation patch mm-hmm. because it is, you know, as an RPG, somewhat dialogue-driven. But you just go through these dungeons. You get different suits. Like, you get this big turtle suit that allows... Uh, lava jets to kind of shoot you up into the air and it just it looks smooth it controls really nice and uh, i'm having a good time playing it so very cool if you want some kind of proof that there's something on the game gear worth playing check out sylvan tale i'm i'm reluctant to throw out this recommendation because it may not have aged well but i remember really enjoying the game axe battler which is a oh, uh yeah. it's like an rpg spinoff of golden axe that's that's okay. uh, pretty solid for the for the game gear so that that might be the one like American released Game Gear game that's uh, worth saving from a fire, but and I guess <laughs> okay. there's kind of a half decent uh, Rystar port that went on to the Game Gear, so that, that's you know that and Rystar, check those out. Yeah, the port the ports are always pretty rough yeah. because we just it, it the 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 ability to play something on Sega Genesis is literally two button presses away um, from playing it on Game Gear, so I don't know why I would really ever play it on Game Gear. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Um, for me, uh, I'm still in God of War. I think, uh, actually after this recording, I'm going to sit down and play the final chapter of it. I'm right there at the cusp, but I'm doing the thing that, how, uh, how do you know it's the final chapter? Because it, it, I've reached the point where, uh, characters are actually telling you if there's any last things you want to go uh, take care of, you know, which I, I think games are pretty good about doing that yeah. now. 
I appreciate that. Um, and I've, I've been spending like a lot of time just kind of going around mopping up all the different things that I'm missing because I'm obsessive. Oh, you unlock and a mop in that game. You do. A, you do. It's a side quest. Yes, it's the, the, the mop of Surter. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to go clean up the uh, co-ed bathrooms in Jotelheim. Oh, yeah, yeah. You got to be yeah. careful about that. Yeah, the, the game has grown on me a lot. Like, I think I was a little uh, lukewarm on it to start just because it did feel just a bit too similar to the original game. Like it wasn't really doing much uh, new or exciting that I can get behind, but uh, they've really done a great job with the story. They've really expanded on the world and on the roster of characters, like to the point where like these, these like supporting characters from the first game are now like beloved members of your God of war family. And it's, uh, (laughs) it's, it's like really cool to see. And um, you know, and they, they pulled off some really impressive, like, plot twists that I never would have seen coming. And there's some really good performances in here. Like bizarrely, the villain Odin is played by Richard Schiff. If you don't know Richard Schiff, you might know him from, uh, he was Toby Ziegler on the West wing. Okay. And he's just kind of like a nebbishy looking, like, like bald guy with a beard, you know, like not like an inherently threatening looking guy. And his in-game model looks like him. And he is terrifying. (laughs) Like, he is really fucking good as a villain in this game. I'm like, holy shit, Richard Schiff. I mean, I knew he was a good actor. I just thought this was kind of outside of his uh, uh, comfort zone. But but I can appreciate that. I'm excited to see uh, the end of the game, and then I'll have to figure out what I move on to. I suppose I could move on to the game I was playing on uh, my Steam Deck, which is called Gris, G-R-I-S, and uh, that's a very beautiful-looking kind of artsy platform game. which, which I'm enjoying very much, but it's also like a very, it, it's like a chill out kind of game because it's like a, it's like a one or two button game. Uh, yeah, not it's a, definitely in that genre of like uh, Limbo or Inside where it's kind of just like run from, or even almost Journey. Yeah. It's just kind of like run through this world and pretty things occur. Exactly. And, but, and there's no like, very intuitively. yeah, there's no conflict or, or villains or anything like that. So it's just kind of like navigating the world and unlocking new stages. And it's very pretty and very chill, but uh, uh, not, you know, holy shit, drop everything and play this, this game. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Maybe I'm being unfair to it. Um, but yes, let's move on to our game for today. And this is a game called Zombie U, all one word, but with the U capitalized. It's a, I'm not crazy about that pronunciation or about that, um, uh, demarcation because it's hard to pronounce. Well, and let's, I mean, let's start here at the beginning, um, with the title. Yeah. I think this, this is a bad title. It's a bad title. Like, yeah. I, and I, I think that the problem with it is it denotes some sort of cuteness to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? This, like, this it, is not a game with any kind of like playfulness to it. It's pretty right. intense. Yeah. I, I think that's the problem. I don't think that, I think the title is like a little silly intrinsically, but if this was kind of a goofy game with like high, you know, like cute, cutesy kind of zombie, like a plants versus zombies type of vibe. Yeah. I, I feel like I wouldn't really have a problem with that title. Like the U kind of implies some sort of casualness to this experience. Right. Like, yeah. And I mean, it's I, like, I, I get where they're coming from because this is a uh, launch title for the Wii U. And it is, mm-hmm. I th- would argue one of the games that uses the Wii U features most extensively. Yeah, uh, and and in kind of some of the most creative ways, and in some of the silliest ways too. But uh, <laughs> it uses a, a yeah. So like I get where they're coming from, 
but they're also playing on some name recognition that people aren't necessarily going to have. Um, but there, there's an interesting history behind this game. I'll, I'll dig into that here. Zombie yeah. U was released November 18th, 2012. It was developed by Ubisoft Montpellier and released by Ubisoft. And it is also released on PS4, 360, and Windows, although it is in a different form. I will get to that in a moment. Okay, okay. We've talked about Ubisoft Montpellier. This is the studio that was built entirely around Michel Ansel, who is the creator of the Rayman games. Mm. This is uh, basically where he got to have his little playground and make all of the games that he wanted to do. Uh, and so pretty much all the Rayman games have been released through this label, as well as a couple of surprisingly high-quality film adaptations, such as uh, Peter Jackson's King Kong and The yep. Adventures of Tintin, uh, a game yep. I know that you've uh, gone to bat for. Yeah, the co-op in that game is fun. Yeah. So Zombie U is technically, and this this is exciting to find out when digging through the research, this is technically the longest-running zombie franchise in video games. Uh, what? This predates what? Resident Evil by a full decade because there was originally a game called zombie z-o-m-b-i that was released for the amstrad cpc in 1986 and it Ah. wasn't just the first zombie game this is the first ever ubisoft game their very very first title so this game's kind of important for their legacy Oh my God! See, I I did not even know that this was part of a franchise. Exactly. This this it, game was it's never. That damn Amstrad. Damn you, Amstrad! <laughs> yeah, we've said it so many times. Like we've got yeah. such beef with Amstrad. <laughs> we do because it's like that in the spectrum. We're like we have no idea what's going on here. <laughs> we know that this is important to large sections of the world, but like it's just a total mystery. Yeah, I've never seen one in person. You know, I don't know. I don't know what they look like. You don't know your Amstrad from your Spectrums, from your Commodore. From my Atari STs. Like, don't yeah. even know. Uh, so, if, And another interesting fact, this game is actually technically part of George A. Romero's Night of the Living Dead universe because what? Zombie uh, was original. That was the title for the European... That was the European name for George A. Romero's Dawn of the Dead from 1979. They just called it Zombie, but because of a spelling error, they dropped the E. Uh, so you can find, <laughs> like... Uh, it gets very confusing with these early, like, uh, uh, or these like late seventies, early eighties Italian horror films because right. there is another Italian film uh, called Zombie, just spelled regularly, that was billed as a sequel to Dawn of the Dead, but in fact, it's completely unrelated to anything. Uh, but that's the one where a zombie fights a shark. Because these movies just kind of get made and then purchased by like overseas distributors, right. Who kind of just want to market it in whatever way they think will get them the most money, even if it doesn't have anything to do with sort of what the movie's about or the particular franchise or anything. Yeah. And Romero films are always so weird because it's always either like feast or famine. Like you can either get this absolutely everywhere because it's in the public domain and you can find it in 10 million different forms, or it's like, it, it just doesn't exist. Like I don't think Dawn of the Dead is available to stream anywhere. No, you are you are correct. And, it is not. And that's like a seminal kind of horror film. That's like a classic right. horror film. So if you didn't hold on to your DVD, then you might be out of luck for a while. But either way, this the original 1986 zombie game was an adaptation of Dawn of the Dead. Uh, and okay. like, like in that movie, it takes place in a mall and you need to fight off zombies and eventually biker gangs that are trying to invade your mall. Uh, this game is like a first-person point-and-click adventure game, uh, where you just and your end goal is to collect enough gas to fuel up your helicopter and fly away. Uh, okay. And it, they did some clever things in this. Uh, so this is where the permadeath thing comes from. Oh, well, not the permadeath necessarily, but 
if your character in this game dies, then he comes back as a zombie in game. And you need to like, right. you have, okay. you have four characters to choose from. You're controlling two characters at a time. So one of them will be holding a weapon and one will be holding a flashlight. So if the flashlight guy gets damaged, then you can't see where the enemies are. If the gun guy gets damaged, then you can't defend yourself. So when, when did this game come out? 1986. Wow. It sounds like there's a lot of sort of stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, it looks pretty game from that time. It looks pretty cool. It seems like it was kind of ambitious. It's it's a short game. I think it's something you could sure. finish in like an hour or something like that. <laughs> oh, what? It's not one of those 60-hour games from <laughs> 1986 that were so plentiful? Yeah, like, uh, you know, uh, Mule or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. That's probably... Or colossal Cave Adventure <laughs> that people are still trying to work their way out of that Colossal Cave. Yeah, it's, a, it's a colossal-ass cave, let me tell you. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, they, the game was uh, critically acclaimed. It was relatively popular. I think it did get ported to two other home computers in a 16-bit format. Uh, but, again, both of those were only in uh, Europe. So we never got an American release for Zombie. And, of course, Ubisoft went on to world-conquering success, and that original game was largely forgotten. Uh, so now cut ahead to uh, 2010 when they're starting to develop this game. Now, initially, Ubisoft did not intend for this to be a revival of that original series. Uh, okay. And in fact, and this is tr proving to be a weird Rosetta Stone for uh, this show, this was actually going to be a spinoff of Rabbids. Yes, another game <laughs> that was like between this and Just Dance, like pretty much everything that Ubisoft has done in the last 10 years seems to have stemmed from Rabbids in some way. Okay. Uh, so, uh, yeah, initially they wanted to make like a hard R spinoff of Rabbids. It was going to be initially called uh, Attack of the Killer Rabbids from Outer Space. It was going to be a rated rated R for rabbits. Rated R for rabbits, and they were going to try and like, despite that kind of campy title, they were going to make it pretty gory and make it pretty violent. And uh, you know, they were working through this idea, and then they decided eventually that uh, the rabbits are probably better off staying as a family friendly franchise. So they, yeah, that's a yeah, that's a bad idea. It's a like, bad I'm, idea. I'm totally, I'm totally like whenever you take a thing that is sort of intended for one age demographic and you're like all right we're gonna like make this fucked up and like yeah like at least you. at least wait until your audience has aged up with it a little bit so they right. can appreciate it as like an ironic thing like the rabbits were new at this time kids playing the rabbits were still kids you know right. they didn't grow up and have some kind of like super cool twisted sense of humor like we do <laughs> Uh, yeah so the, they changed the title it was now just going to be called uh, killer freaks from outer space and now all the creatures are just going to be like little worm-like aliens. This was going to be kind of a House of the Dead style, like fast-paced arcade shooter. Okay. Now, Nintendo had approached Ubisoft to develop this game specifically for the Wii U. And they also wanted an M-rated game because a lot of the early push above the Wii U was like, okay, this is, you know, the Wii was a little too kiddie uh, or a little too, like, uh, all audiences. We want to bring back some of the hardcore gamers so we're going to launch our new system with this like really bloody uh, uh, horror action game. Sure. Um, and so Ubisoft was uh, tackle, uh, tasked with doing that. Uh, but so they, they showed uh, uh, the first footage of Killer Freaks from Outer Space at E3 in 2010. And the, the team was excited about the idea, but they started running into gameplay problems. Firstly, they were using the gamepad pretty extensively, uh, but they, they found that they were using it almost exclusively. So the top, okay. like the TV was kind of irrelevant after a point and they wanted to be able to make it so it's a, a dual screen setup. That, that is something I hadn't really thought of um, in terms of game development for the Wii U. Like 
to develop something that takes advantage of the Wii U features, you essentially have to think of it as like a dual screen thing, which is is much more complicated than like something for the Switch where you're like, okay, does this function fine in handheld mode? Like, great, we're good. Um, but for the Wii U, you have to be like, how can we make good use of both screens to really explore these features? Yeah, and you have to find a way to make it intuitive because unlike with like the DS or the 3DS, which has half an inch of plastic like separating the two screens, this is a, a much more involved head gesture. And, you know, yeah, it, pro it, athletes that we are, yeah, it could, it could hurt our yeah. necks. Yeah, it's very challenging to look at both of these screens at the same time. Yeah, it can be. It can be a little discombobulating. Uh, but so they were running into issues with the the gamepad, and they also found that the little worm creatures were too fast and too hard to hit. Uh, so mm -hmm. they decided to slow the pace down, make some bigger monsters, and of course, zombies were all the rage at the time. So they're like, hey, why not zombies? And then sometime during the development, some developer realized, hey, we already have a game called Zombie. Like, it's way in our back catalog, but we've got it. We own this game. Let's bring this back. Uh, and so, hence, Zombie U was born uh, so this okay. game, I still, I yeah. still think it's a bad title, but I appreciate all that context now to understand how they got where they. Did. Uh, yeah, I, I still, yeah, I still think it's a bad title too. But I, I can at least add a space between the zombie and the U. You know, something like that. <laughs> I have no idea, or make the U like all bloody or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> you can hear that when you pronounce it, like uh, so zombie you... bloody U. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which would actually be an appropriate uh, uh, nomenclature for this because it is set in London. Uh, this game was written by a uh, British comic book artist named Anthony Johnson who decided to set it in his hometown, uh, partially because, you know, it, it was a bit of a London fever at the time. We had uh, the Olympics were happening that summer and, uh, you know, there's just lots of stuff going on in London. It's a swinging town. It's a hip swinging place. Yeah, this game does seem to really make that a focal point um which it just kind of made me realize how few games are like set in london yeah yeah which um, is like i i can think of this like there's one of the assassin's creeds um i can't think of too many off the top of my head i'm sure there's plenty more all the dizzy games obviously uh yeah, sure. big nose the caveman all of those it, it's like um it, it does seem to put a real emphasis on kind of um, Anglophiles, yeah. people who are excited about the idea of running around with a cricket bat. Like, yeah. if, if that if that is initially appealing to you because you're like, ooh, it reminds and like seeing the Doctor Who style phone booths kind of right. in ruins in the area, like that, I could see that being a selling point for some people. Yeah, and then the cover art is even like a, a, a Buckingham Palace guard like turned into a zombie and attacking. Yeah, like, so uh, pretty fun, pretty fun idea. I, I, yeah, I do think that it gives this game a little more of a distinct identity. Yeah, and I think the original idea for this was to have a single named voiced character that would play through the entire game. And then I think when they decided on the zombie name, they were like, you know, what? we had this cool mechanic where you're playing multiple characters and when you die, you come back as a zombie. That would be kind of cool to see in game. Let's do that. Mm -hmm. uh, so now you just have like fairly anonymous characters that never speak and you're going to cycle through them. Uh, and we'll, we'll get to that when we talk about the gameplay, but uh, yeah, yeah, like I said, this is very much built around the Wii U, uh, but this game was eventually ported to PS4 and Xbox one in those versions, which are simply called zombie. No, you, um, they nix all the second screenplay and they also completely remove both local and online multiplayer, which I don't really know why they chose to do that, but either way, 
Uh, maybe, maybe I imagine that the local, the local multiplayer is somehow built out of some asymmetrical gameplay. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, there is some. Yeah. A nice one for us to have had the opportunity to play together. Yeah, for sure. Um, because I'm, I imagine there's something neat going on with the multiplayer. It, it does um, raise sort of an interesting question of like we had talked of. Uh, a week ago or so about the Kid Icarus game for 3DS uh-huh. and like the weird sort of hiccups of the way that game controls. Yeah. Are you're like, okay, you could port this to a different system and have it just control like, you know, a 3D action game and it would probably be more fun, but it would also kind of lose part of its weird identity. Right. And I feel similar to uh Zombie U in the sense that like there's a lot of the gameplay gamepad mechanics that can feel a little clunky and like they're kind of slowing me down in a way that just like pulling up a quick inventory ring would not. Right. Right. Um, But that is also kind of what makes this game cool. Yeah. In in its own way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so to like rush out to like get this game on PS4 seems like a pretty tough sell when, you know, you could play the last of us. Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. There are already better options on that platform. And like, I think the, the fact that this is a gory M rated zombie game on a Nintendo console kind of makes it novel in addition, you know? Uh, but yeah, this game, it was the best selling third person launch game. Uh, but it was ultimately considered a big disappointment for Ubisoft. They lost a lot of money on it. And, uh, there was a planned sequel that they immediately canceled and uh, it shook Ubisoft's confidence in the Wii U so much that Rayman Legends, which we uh, already discussed, was initially planned to be a Wii U exclusive game. But because Zombie U underperformed and it didn't look like the Wii U was going to have the strong sales that the Wii did, uh, they made that a multi-platform game after all, which probably was ultimately a better move for Ubisoft. Um, yeah. But, you know. You... No, it would have been, you know, we, we really enjoyed Rayman Legends, but yeah. it would have been kind of tragic if that game had born and died on the wii u even though the wii u is a great way to play that game like yeah I mean, it's a fun game regardless of the console you it, play it, it kind of wound up like rayman legends is kind of the wii u version is kind of the best version to play of that game you know and that's just kind of how it worked out that way but uh yeah either way i think you know i, I don't know uh I, it's it's also difficult to kind of build a franchise around this when the title is just zombie you know, yeah. that's like a little... Well, especially when you're referencing a game from 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of the same problem that that vampire with a Y game had, you know? It's like, <laughs> all right, well, well, your vampire's... Or bis- no, Nosferat 2 <laughs> with the number 2 at the end. It's... Nosferat 2. Nosferat harder. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so in this game, you play as a nameless main character who early in the game teams up... I mean, to be clear, with... they do have oh, that's names. That's true. They do have They're names. Like they do have names. Henry... Cow. But it's kind of like uh, naming your goldfish. You know, you don't want to get too yeah. attached to these guys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're not going to be around long. Um, so you you team up early on with this guy who just calls himself the Prepper. And uh, he's obsessed with ancient prophecy from a real-life magician named John D, who predicted that the apocalypse would happen in the year 2012. That seems to be happening because now there are zombies all over London, and you need to partner up with the Prepper and a couple of other survivors to try and find a cure for what really, ails them. They really get the story out of the way fast. Like, yeah. In the sense, like, where sometimes, you know, The Last of Us would have, like, sort of an introductory section or The Walking Dead where you're kind of walking and then you meet a zombie for the first time and then kind of it flashes, like, six months later. Here, there's, like, a, I don't know, two-minute cutscene with some VO yeah. that, like, 
quotes the Bible. Two two Bible uh, quotes in a row, weirdly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, wait, no. Which one's is, a Bible quote, and then one is, like, the voiceover is, um, I think that's from John Dee's diary or something. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but, like, once the game starts, you're basically just in it. You're just this this person and you hear the prepper over this intercom being like, Hey, come to my safe house. And so you just kind of follow, follow the arrows to where you're supposed to go. Yeah. I mean, it sounded, he sounded uh, pretty convincing. His house is safe. I mean, I don't know. Sure. If, I don't know if you caught right that part. It's a safe house. I mean, that, that theory doesn't hold for very long. No, it really does not. Literally the second mission is like, Oh, a horde of zombies have infiltrated the safe. house. Yeah. All. Not very safe. Yeah, this this game is, uh, uh, like you said, the the U implies a sort of playfulness uh, that isn't really present in the tone or in the presentation of this game. This is a very dark game in kind of every sense of the word. A lot of the cutscenes seem to be shot through with like smudge vision, you know, like there's there's just like yeah. crap all over Ooh, the this screen. Game, this game is real brown. It's real, real brown. Yeah. And uh, even, you know, you have a flashlight, but it's very reedy, you know, so like you're not... You're not seeing very far ahead of you at any given time. So you, you have to get accustomed to a lot of darkness in this game. It's best to play in a dark room if you can, because I think it might be like impossible to see if you're playing at daytime. <laughs> I certainly had trouble playing it this morning. Yeah. Um, I, I think that zombies, like you said, um, 2010 was and, you know, when they were working on this game, was maybe maybe peak zombie i don't know when peak zombie is zombie still going strong like i don't think zombies are gonna go away anytime soon um but probably from like 2008 to 2012 really felt like the meat of when zombie content was getting pumped out oh yeah i mean if you want to see like a pretty good representation of where zombies are as a culture just look at the uh ratings year over year for the walking dead which mm. a, a show that like was once the biggest thing in the world that show just ended. Did you, were you aware that that show ended or was still going? I, I, wa I was, um, but only through random Wikipedia links and not having any interest in the show itself. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, there was a time when it was just like this inescapable thing, but if you look at the chart of the ratings, like when it was peaking, when it was the number one show on TV, to the finale, which I don't think barely anybody watched. So right. it's it's an interest you can you can kind of chart that decline. And it's so interesting that like mythical creatures have career arcs, you know, in our culture. <laughs> like sure. sometimes they'll just be like, oh man, it's vampire mania, you know, like vampires are the hot new thing. Like, look, they're having a real career surge. And then it's like five years later, oh vampires? Oh yeah, weren't they canceled? Yeah, blah, blah. yeah so I, I do think that like most of these mythical, like classic monsters or mythical creatures kind of develop two modes. Like vampires, for example, you have scary vampires and you have sexy vampires. Yeah. But you don't, I, I guess I'm ignoring what we do in the shadows, but you, I think you typically don't have as many goofy vampires. Yeah, not um, as many, not as many. Whereas zombies um, have kind of either established you have scary zombies or you have goofy zombies. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, sexy zombies is a bit of a hard sell. I think that movie yeah. Warm Bodies attempted it, but uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, Nicholas Holt, he could he he, he could be a sexy any no, kind he, of he, he creature. No, could, he could bite me anytime. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, <laughs> exactly. man. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but so I do think that this game struggles because with that kind of cover of the you know, Buckingham Palace Guard as a zombie, and then this game called Zombie U, you're like, okay, like, this looks like it could be kind of goofy, like, zombie exploration. And, like, this game is not goofy at no. all. No. 
No, uh, very straight faced. Yeah, very, very sort of brown in the environments. When you approach a zombie, like your options most commonly, you can either walk past it or you can bash it with your cricket bat, which is your default melee weapon. Yeah. And like the character you're playing as will kind of scream and breathe heavily as they're smashing the zombie and it's it's kind of i found it unpleasant yeah right? yeah they they have like rage screams when they're crushing a head and stuff like that yeah 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 and then like the camera camera will sort of you'll see your hand and the bat and it'll all be covered in covered in blood it it's not i mean it's it's okay like there's plenty of zombie games that i have enjoyed that have had this tone yeah. but it's not even something like resident evil where it's going for like Oh, like, because Resident Evil is goofy, but it's not really a comedy thing. Right, yeah. But, like, there is a sense of, like, hey, this is pretty silly and weird, huh? Here, like, your main sort of guider is a guy called the Prepper. Yeah. And so it's very much in that Walking Dead vein of, like, all right, or Last of Us, you need to cobble together some kind of weapon out of these various tools that you can use to bash things, um... Yeah, it's just it's just kind of bleak. Yeah, and I, I think there is something to be said the like, you know, yeah, like you said, Resident Evil very goofy, but Resident Evil also has a lot of specific named recurring characters that we know and follow and can get attached to. And I think Zombie U, in addition to having kind of a generic title, it doesn't really give us that. We never we don't see the prepper's face. Like we don't know what he looks right. like. We don't know what our characters look like. Like we don't really have any kind of connection to the world or the characters or their plight because the zombies are the main event. You know, that's right. kind of what you need to set aside. And and like I said, when there's so many zombie things out there, especially at this time, like you need a little bit of something to make the story kind of stand out. Um, but this game has some interesting things going for it that I think does make it unique, uh, yeah. especially in terms of just as a Wii U game. Like we said, this is one of the most fully featured Wii U experiences and one that uses the gamepad in the widest variety of ways. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's goofy and silly and sometimes it's pretty effective and sometimes it's kind of a pain in the ass, but, yeah. but I could appreciate that they tried all of this stuff. So basically yeah. this is a first person uh, adventure game. Uh, you're wandering through London trying to complete missions and uh, loot for materials and fend off zombie apocalypses and eventually hopefully find a cure. Uh, okay. And so you're doing this by getting missions from your various uh, unseen uh, patrons who will send you messages from safe houses where you can go and save and restock. You can put items in a, uh, a blue box that can be passed from uh, character to character. I see. Uh, yeah, one of the big hooks of this game is that when your character dies, they die, and you switch back to another uh, dramatically different character. And yeah, like they'll just be kind of a flash, a flash cutscene as it's loading, and then you'll wake up in sort of the eyes of another character in the safe house. Right, and then uh, the cool feature is that you can go back out uh, to where your last character just died. And if you're able to bring down your past zombie, then you can take all of your material back. Like you get all of yeah, your loot. It's kind of like uh, the mechanic in Diablo where you have to go find your corpse yeah. to get all your gold back. Um, except that you have to, you also have to kill kill your revitalized zombie corpse here. Yeah, yeah. It, that that separates it from like uh, uh, Dark Souls or things because you don't need to fight yourself in Dark Souls. You just need to find it. Right. Dark Souls, what a cakewalk, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Way to go easy yeah. on us, Dark Souls. 
Um, yeah, so that's kind of a cool feature, you know. And again, like I said, it, it makes it so that you can't really get attached to any of the characters that you're playing as. But it is pretty fun to go out there and see, like, oh, look, there's me. I'm dead. I'm, I'm full of my stuff. Like, and yeah, and I like a lot of things in this game. I think it's kind of a mixed blessing, even though it's kind of a unique, um, creative gameplay mechanic. It, 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 what it leads to is that your character, aside from the sort of screams and grunts, never has anything to say. Yeah. Because they're, they're not a named character. They don't interact with the prepper aside from the, that person telling you what to do and you just kind of go from place to place. And, the, you know, part of that contributes to, like, the fact the story in this game is essentially nothing. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 is, it is the barest of bones of, like, there are zombies out there. Like, good luck. Yeah. Yeah, basically, you know, and and that's fine. Like for for what this game is trying to accomplish, like we don't need a whole lot of in depth like sure. plot or story. And it, it and like I said, the game moves. You know, like it, uh, you jump right into it, and like you're already kind of in the action within like two mm-hmm. minutes. Uh, so yeah, a lot of the crux of this game is just kind of looking for materials, uh, weapons, ammo, uh, boards to like barricade different rooms and things like that. Uh, and that's where a lot of the gamepad features come in. So one of the coolest features here is that by holding the L button and holding the gamepad up to the TV, you can scan the environment. Uh, you get like kind of an infrared scanner and you can look for uh, enemies that might be in the area. You can look for different hidden items or uh, story points or things that you need to look for. It leaves you vulnerable while you're in this state. So you need to be careful about right. when you use it because uh, zombies can swarm right on you. But I thought it was pretty cool. Like, weirdly, anytime, like, anytime a game asks us to all lift the gamepad up and point it at the TV, I'm like, all right, all right, now you're thinking. Like, this is, this is a, this seems like the natural use for this. And, like, maybe yeah. three games have done it. And, and, you know, you and I, especially when we were um, talking about Metroid, have come down on kind of opposite sides of the scanning the world mechanic. Yes. I think you, you are much more tolerant of it than i am oh i'm not just tolerant um, i am feverishly in favor of it yes and so the the physical action of holding up the gamepad here isn't you know gives it some kind of different tone even though the mechanic is not really any different than in metroid prime no. where you bring down your visor and the screen just kind of changes a little bit. and sometimes it's um, not even particularly helpful like right. you you'll scan a body on the ground and it'll say there are no items here but then it'll kind of leave a tag on them so until you go and explore anyway. So, like, right. you know, it's good if you want to find out, like, oh, is this thing still alive? Is it going to jump up at me when I go to loot its body? But otherwise, like, it's not the most helpful thing in the world. Sure. But, I, but I do I do think it benefits, if nothing else, from, like, providing a bright light near things you can interact yeah. with. Because everything in this game is so muddy and can be hard to see. That they're like, okay, interact with the control panel to access the camera. And I'm like, I literally can't see a control panel on the wall. Right. Because it all just looks like brown wall. And so when you pull up this sort of, vi- the, you know, this scanner mode, I'm like, oh, there there it is. There's a nice marker right there that I can easily identify. Totally. Um, yeah, like I said, the, the flashlight in this is very, it's very weak and it needs to recharge. Like, so if you uh, use it for too long and it recharges quickly, it's not like a big yeah. problem. You know, you can just turn it off and let it charge back up again, but it, it doesn't just, give you a lot to see. It's just enough that you can't like just, you don't want to just turn it on and just leave it on forever. No. And I do appreciate that, uh, zombies react to you. If you have your light on, like they will seek you out. Mm. If you're, uh, shining your light, 
they'll seek you out if you're being too noisy, you know, so there, it is possible to sneak around zombies and sometimes that's the better option. Uh, what, what I think is cool overall about the Wii U gamepad here and why I think that it works well for this game is because you can't like be looking at the gamepad and be looking at the screen at the same time. Um, it sort of adds a layer of dread and like risk versus reward to be like, okay, I'm going to take a moment and like check out my inventory and see what I have or take a moment and look at the map right. as opposed to most games where you would just be able to either pause it or just kind of glance at the corner where there's a mini map here. Um, like just sort of that action of taking stock feels a little bit fraught. Cause like you might, a zombie might sneak up behind you and that's, so this game feels fairly true to kind of what survival horror is about. Yeah. Um, in the sense, like, cause what I always think of survival horror is far from my favorite genre of game, but I, what I always think is interesting about it, like, especially with those first um, early resident evil games is often things that are kind of blockages or things that make the game less intuitive or just feel clunkier also serve to make it scarier exactly like yeah this the set camera angles in resident evil or the fact you have to get ink rolls to save and i feel like the game pad uses a lot of those kind of things which i which is kind of why i cut it a lot of slack because i was i was yeah. playing through it i'm like so every time you open up a backpack or a chest you have to go to the second screen you have to like sort through manually put stuff in your backpack or in your hand you have to you have to drag you don't just tap it to pick right. it up you have to like drag it either to your backpack or to a spot in your inventory. You and again, like when using your scanner, this leaves you vulnerable, you know, and uh, it also kind of slows things down a little bit because you're like starting to, you have to stop and like sort through all this stuff and it can be a little bit annoying, but then I was playing it and I'm realizing like, I am very stressed out right now. Like I am very worried about zombies sneaking up on me. And so it is kind of like an immersive experience in that sense. You know, like you said, it's yeah. a, it's a limitation that's been put on it by the hardware, but it does also feel like it's it's making it's making things a little bit more tense in real life. And I feel like the zombies are really perfectly calibrated here. Like I don't feel like they're fast enough that like as soon as I hear one, it's just going to be right on top of me. But they are fast enough that like if you don't time that cricket bat swing right, you know they're going to kill you. Yeah. And like enemies can take you out pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, so it could be one or two good... bites. Yeah. Yeah, there is a good feeling of like kind of always being on edge, but also having enough tools to be able to deal with it. Like your your gamepad mini map also has a little button you can press that will shoot out kind of this radar pulse mm -hmm. and mark mark enemies with a red dot, um, just so you can sort of not be totally surprised. Another decision that like weirdly stressed me out was that taking any amount of damage will make your health bar like bright red and like throbbing. <laughs> So yeah. I'm just like, even if it's still a full like health bar, like except for like maybe a tiny little increment gone, it makes it feel like, okay, well, wait, well, why is, why is this pulsing right now? Am I like bleeding? Am I attracting other zombies? Like, is that what's happening here? So it's a weird yeah. thing that just kind of stressed me out. Uh, um, what, what, what other mechanics does a gamepad use? There's like, whenever you are trying to barricade a door or need to like open something, it will go down to the gamepad and you have to like tap it. Like there's manhole covers yeah. that can use the shortcuts. And I, I was kind of surprised that they just made me tap these manhole covers. I assumed that they were going to have me like make circles around on the gamepad to like 
mimic the motion of like unscrewing a manhole or like specifically Uh, tap on a nail you know you don't need to tap on a nail you just need to tap anywhere on the board like five times rapidly and it's that's that's one of the features i thought was goofiest because i'm like i i appreciate it you know they're doing something here to make this a little bit more interesting but also like this could have been something a little bit more than just tap a tap a tap a really quick like here we have a still image of a board tap this four times you're done yeah, and I don't know. I mean, there maybe could have been more sort of precision in what they were looking for on the gamepad. I don't want them to, like, go too far up their own ass with gamepad mechanics. No. But, like, some sort of, like, I don't know, like, puzzle solving or, like, something you need to trace using the stylus or something like that. Um, I, and I, as opposed to just kind of, you know, tap on this board to lift it off of the door. Yeah. And I'm sure like if they did do something like that, I would probably be complaining about that. <laughs> um, but they do have parts but, later where you're like uh, uh, tapping in like on a keypad, you know, you have to tap in a, co- a code on a keypad, things like oh, that. Sure. So they, they integrate some of that in, in uh, uh, more complex ways. But the tap a tap a tap a manhole cover uh, board was pretty funny to me. Unintentionally yeah, funny, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, like I, I didn't put in as much time as I would have liked here. I played maybe about like two hours total, something like that. Uh, enough to get like a really good sense of the flavor of the game and like uh, what it does well and what it uh, kind of struggles with. Um, you know, I, I found gunplay to be kind of a nuisance, um, which sure. I think is also a, an active decision. Like you don't want your guns to be too powerful because... And the game becomes less scary. Yeah, the game wants you to That's feel... That's why Resident Evil 4, like, the scariest part of that game is within the first 10 minutes. Yeah, And then yeah. progressively, once you get the shotgun, you're like, ah. Ah, like, the warm comfort of a shotgun. Yeah. Yes, yeah. It's it is uh, it's a game that wants you to feel kind of uh, helpless throughout most of it, which is effective for the horror. Like, I did find this game pretty scary, you know, like playing yeah. playing in the dark, like at night. I'm like, okay, yeah, no, this this is pretty intense. Like, the sound effects are really good, and uh, I, I feel just helpless enough that, like, it feels like there's a threat every time. You know, and I know that uh, the mechanic of, of dying and coming back as another character is essentially just, like, human one-ups, you know? It's, it's not... Sure. It's not super traumatic if you lose a character, but there is a sense of stakes because if you fail to go back and fight your own zombie, then you're losing a lot of your equipment. If you had a full, like, you know, ammo clip or anything like that, you're going to lose that forever. It also just makes sense from, like, we always take it so much for granted in a game that, like, when you die, you just go back to where you saved last. But it's like, why? Like, yeah. w- what's the explanation? Does your character have the ability to travel back in time? Yeah, yeah. Are they being cloned? Um, whereas here, it's like, I guess it's not explained how this other character got into the safe house. Yeah, um, I guess. It, I guess at the, least it makes a little more I sense. I guess the prepper has just been, like, uh, running this game to everybody. Like, he just, you know, yeah. wh- whoever wants to come into his highly secure safe house is welcome. But apparently they never meet each other there. It's only one person at a time. Yeah, yeah. I think it's an elaborate prank. I think it's just like Prince Harry on the other end, and he's like, "Teehee, teehee! Oh, sure. what a romp I am having! Huzzah!" Yeah, yeah. I think I think what holds this game back is that it's just not it's not very inviting, and like no. I know that like it, it it can be tough to make a horror game like welcoming because that's not quite the vibe you're going no. for but like you spend so much time walking around like abandoned subway stations and just sort of dark hallways full of rubble yeah 
um, with no real sound effects or sort of characters to interact with yeah. that I had a hard time wanting to play it for much more than an hour at a time. Yeah, I think that was my thing too. Like I didn't want to just like have extended play times. I had to do it in a couple little chunks, you know, um, which again, it, it's it's a, it's a mission accomplished kind of thing. They were trying to make it tense and uncomfortable, but it also wasn't a game that made me want to come back and keep playing. Yeah. Uh, well, let's move on to our rankings in that case. Uh, yeah, there, there are some, uh, multiplayer features on this game that, uh, we didn't get around to, of course, cause, uh, it's, there's local, like asymmetrical, and then there's an online shooter mode, uh, that, uh, no longer is up. So yeah, we, we didn't have a chance to play those, but, uh, I was, I was going to say you could check it out on PS4 to try that, but no, you can't cause those features <laughs> don't exist there either. Yeah. Maybe, maybe when next time I have someone over here, I'm like, all right, you need to play this zombie game with me. Yeah. <laughs> it's for science. Yes. I, I want to know how it is. Yeah. Uh, all right. So moving on to our rankings each week, we are ranking the shows that we are, the episodes we have just, or the, excuse me, the games that we had just played. I'm awake. I got this. <laughs> uh, so I, I will start us off here. Um, I'm, I'm impressed with a lot of what zombie U does. I think it's uh, pretty solid and pretty entertaining as a, a product itself. And I think it's very uh, true to itself and manages to be scary. Yeah. That being said, I found some of it to be kind of a pain in the ass. Uh, and it, it wasn't a game, like we just said, that made me really want to come back and keep playing more or see it through. There wasn't a compelling story or any real reason to care about any of these characters. So I don't feel particularly motivated to see how it all turns out. Uh, to that degree, uh, this game is going to be my number 47, which is underneath Lego City Undercover and above Splinter Cell Blacklist. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is very much more your style game than mine. Like, I generally don't go for horror games, and I even less go for kind of survival horror games. Yeah. Um, I do think if you are... Just still on the lookout for more zombie games, and you still really like this kind of Walking Dead kind of boots to the ground feeling of like what actually it would be in a zombie apocalypse of like what tools can I find, you know, what would be useful to raid from the old grocery store. Like, I think this game is a pretty good option that makes creative use of the gamepad, but like, with all that said, it's not a game that I would really be excited to go back and play more. Um, I'm going to put it at number uh, 71, which is right behind the Snoopy game we played, um, which I'm feeling now like I rank really low. I don't know why that Snoopy game isn't higher. Yeah, it's a good Snoopy um, game. But I, but ahead of, uh, yeah, definitely one of the best Snoopy games I've ever played. And now I'm worried about the... Ahead of the Lego games. I'm, I'm worried about that zombie sneaking up on Snoopy now. Like, he, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm always... That's okay. He can, he, can, he can fly his doghouse away at high speed. Oh, phew. Do, do his delightful little jig right on that zombie. That is, that's okay. That is a relief. I was a little worried about that. <laughs> Okay, well, we have uh, some fantastic letters from people this week, uh, and I'm, I'm, I've, I've gotten a lot of them. I'm going to spread them out over the next couple of episodes. So if you don't hear your letter this week, uh, we'll check in next week. We, we still have a few episodes to go. But uh, sincerely, we've been getting such a nice uh, uh, outpouring from people, so I wanted to share some of these. Cool. First one says, howdy, guys. <clears throat> howdy. I know you're getting closer and closer to the end of the Wii U catalog. I wanted to take the opportunity to thank you for your work and all of the hours of entertainment your podcast has provided me. I came in at the tail end of the 64 episodes, and being the owner of a secondhand but very neglected Wii U, 
I've been enjoying all of your reviews and commentary. I've picked up a number of Wii U games based on your podcast, but most of them are still wrapped in the package because I have way more discretionary funds to do than I dedicated gaming time. Sure. Uh, the last Wii U game I started to play was Paper Mario Color Splash, and the battle system Which was so time-consuming and clunky that I abandoned the game after trying to convince myself for about three hours that it didn't suck. I, I can't believe that piece of trash made it through playtesting. Wow. Uh, fun fact, that's our episode next week, so we're, go okay. we're going in very unbiased. <laughs> nice. uh, right. Paper Mario... You didn't, save the, you didn't save this letter until next I week? I should have, I should have, yeah. Okay. Uh, Paper Mario and the DS Mario RPGs are some of my favorite games of all time, and they managed to create a fighting system that was so bad I had no choice but to walk away. So th this is interesting context, because I really don't know much about that game. So uh, I mean, I, you know, not to jump... I, I am excited to play paper mario game and but like i i do wonder about that a lot i like why they had like two games for the nintendo 64 and then the gamecube yeah like the paper mario where everyone's like these are great we love these and then they're like all right no more of that yeah like, yeah they really shifted away from the rpg mechanics like pretty dramatically um so i don't know if you've decided what's next when you hit the end of the wii u games but if you do intend to hang up the gloves do so knowing that you've put together a great piece of work and it has been both entertaining and valuable to me and that's my warmest regards, Norman Bedford. So thank you, Norman. We appreciate thank or you, Benford, Norman. excuse me. Those, those gloves are the uh, ones you wear when you have to rotate the stick in Mario. Exactly. Those, yeah. Those the, are the gloves that we wear every time we podcast. the palm protectors. Yeah. Yeah. We use them. Yeah. 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 Well, thank thank you for uh, giving us an early preview of we, what we may <laughs> we may be talking about next week. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, uh, I I I hope that we have a more positive experience with that game than you did. I'm, but, I'm uh, hoping so too. We'll we'll see. Yeah. Uh, this next one is uh, uh, related to the current content. Uh, this starts, uh, or for those who don't speak undead, hello, Stephen Woody. Hello. I'm writing yet again to weigh in on your topic of the week, Zombie U. Specifically, I wanted to shed some light on an innovative use of the gamepad that most players will never experience. I mean, this is a game where we need to shed some light on yeah. it. Very dark. It takes place in the final act of the game, hashtag spoiler warning. <laughs> as you know, for most of the campaign, an unseen character called the Prepper acts as the player's man in the chair, doling out missions and seemingly friendly advice through the gamepad's tinny speakers. However, when the third party steps in with a potential cure for the zombie virus, it becomes clear that the Prepper sees survivors as little more than meal tickets and easy marks. Your mysterious benefactor becomes enraged at your disobedience, screaming obscenities and threats with unsettling vigor. Halfway through his tirade, the sound of his voice seamlessly shifts from the gamepad speakers to your television. My stomach dropped when I realized this unhinged Judas was no longer just a voice on the radio. He was somewhere in the room. It's a simple but unnerving trick and one that I have never seen attempted before or since. Anyway, thanks for letting me share my zombie use story. I know the game has its flaws, but for what it does differently, it occupies a special place in my half-decayed heart. Good luck with the final few episodes, and thanks again for finishing what you started. No one would have blamed you if you boarded an escape helicopter to Texas and left the Wii U to rot, but I appreciate your follow-through all the same. Your perma-fan, J-Mo. Uh, thanks, P.S., if you were curious about the multiplayer mode that is locked behind the discontinued wow, Uplay... Wow, J-Mo just coming he's, through he's, in a big he's way got here. us here. Uh, yeah. That is locked behind the discontinued Uplay online membership. Don't be. It's exactly like the other modes, only less fun. You're not missing anything. And PPS, I only included a hashtag in this email because I know Steve hates saying that word out loud. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. 
<laughs> so I appreciate that. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention how many you play achievements I got playing this game. My you my you play score is oof. Yeah, oh man. It's, it's really getting up there. I'm going to take those you plays all the way to the U bank. Uh the yeah, zombie exactly. U bank. Yeah. Uh that's that's awesome insight on that. I appreciate you playing through uh, uh all the way to the end to get that. Like because I I very rarely have the gamepad sound on. No, I forget. Yeah. Like it, I it never even occurs to me that like there could be different sound coming from the gamepad and the TV, even though we've played games where that is the case. Yeah. I just, I just kind of assume that it's making the same, playing the same sound. Cause they have for the majority of the games that is the case. Yeah. But uh, that's, it's cool to know that they thought of that as a feature that is an effective use of that feature. Like, I think that's actually very clever. Um, and uh, so, and, and good to know that that prepper's up to no good. Sure. Yeah, I know. I was I was thinking about that when I was playing it. I'm like, this game has a weirdly like pro pro prepper stance. Yeah, but... yeah. Uh, okay, one last letter for today. Uh, hi, Woody and Steve. Uh, first of all, let me thank you for your podcast. I'm not a native English speaker, so I hope my comments are my comments are understandable to you. I'll try to be brief. So far, so good. Uh, I don't consider myself a gamer because I don't like that label. But I do enjoy playing video games. Since I was a child, I've been uh, I've owned Sega consoles and then went for a PSX and a PS2. From then on, I only played games on my MacBook. But recently, my wife and I wanted to have a console, and we opted for the lost Nintendo console Wii U to play some Just Dance and Mario games, even though yeah. we were told that they might be better off not buying it. I don't know. That's pretty great for Just Dance. I don't know. Yeah, uh, no, the, we went ahead. If you know what you're getting into, I think the Wii U, if you have the right expectations, I mean, then it will deliver. If you want an, if you want a game, if you want a console just for Just Dance and Mario, this is your best option. Like I think yeah. so. Uh, we went ahead and bought it, and uh, or we went ahead and bought it as soon as I knew about some other hidden gems I could try. For some reason, I stumbled upon Monster Hunter Three Ultimate and uh, got a hold of some review. And to get a hold of some reviews, I looked for podcasts on Spotify and stumbled upon your show. Since then, I've been listening to your other episodes, and it has been a blast. I've been picking my episodes after hearing so many, many uh, comments about Devil's Third. Uh, I knew I had to play that game and hear that episode, so thanks for the laughs. I was kind of sad hearing that the podcast is about to finish. Maybe six episodes are left. Well, at least I still have a lot of episodes that I haven't yet heard. Truly yours, Camilo, and he is a uh, 35-year-old plant scientist from Chile. That's amazing to me. That's like... Thanks, Camille. Thank you so much for sending that letter. I mean, mostly that was just a moment of like, holy shit, we do a goofy little video game podcast out of Washington State and and a plant scientist from Chile is listening to our show. And that's just that's fucking that's so cool to me. Yeah, that is super cool. And I'm also amazed that uh, they started listening to our podcast based on Monster Hunter content. And after we just expressed bafflement, yeah. they decided to come back and listen to more. Yeah, hey, so yeah, we, we, Because I would say in the list of things that like our con- our podcast shares real information about, Monster Hunter is near the bottom. That was uh, like, that was one of the ones where we were the most at sea, like just the most absolutely yeah. confused by what we were looking at and uh, really ra- uh, wrestling with trying to make sense of it. So so I, I can appreciate that you stuck around uh, and hopefully we we're a little bit more informative in other episodes. And I yeah, and I would like to apologize and just make it clear that I'm well aware that my referencing and appreciation of Devil's Third 
is comes from more of an ironic place than an actual legitimate place. So I hope you didn't spend three hundred dollars on that game. Yes, yes. Um, it, it it occupies the same space as far as I'm concerned that Mace the Dark Age occupied when we talked about <laughs> Nintendo Sixty Four. Yeah, we needed like one like totemic kind of uh, a joke game that we would talk about. Yeah. Mace the Dark Age and uh, uh, Devil's Third were kind of fitting the bill on those. Uh, so thank you everybody for writing in and for listening. And yeah, like I said, I've got a few more letters. I'm going to be kind of spreading out. So thank you so much. It really means a lot that you guys have been sending such, uh, incredibly nice messages to us. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, be sure to tune in next week for paper Mario color splash, a game that, uh, apparently the uh, worst game ever apparently made. Awesome. Uh, really fun. Everybody likes it. No complaints. Uh, so oh, perfect. I'm looking forward to that one. Um, and uh, yeah, in the meantime, uh, uh, stay. Don't don't let any zombies bite you. That's my best advice. You yeah. know, keep keep that you play score going. Send us send us your you <laughs> play total. We'll 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 just get a leaderboard. Yeah, going. Absolutely, very excited about it. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye, brains. It's not me.